Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a Retired Pastor of 45 Years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It is my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further personal Bible study. They'll be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email. My email address is masito, M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, standing for Fellow Helpers Ministries, at gmail.com, M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M, at gmail.com. The title of our Bible study today is, God Will Not Fail When the Floodwaters Prevail, from Genesis chapter 6 through 8. Do you ever feel like you're being overcome with floodwaters as you seek to live your daily life for the Lord? The psalmist expresses it this way, Psalm 42, verse 7b, All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Noah physically lived through the greatest flood ever experienced, and there's some practical spiritual lessons to be learned by his example. Let's begin by reading two of the verses out of the chapter 6, 7, and 8. We'll read chapter 7, verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1, and have a word of prayer. Chapter 7, verse 18 reads, And the waters prevailed, and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. And then we see in chapter 8, verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for every word that's in the scriptures, and thank you that we can study it, learn from it, be encouraged by it, Thank you for the example of godly men and women who are recorded in the scriptures like Noah, which we can learn from today. And we pray you'll bless our study and refresh our hearts with it, but also challenge us, Lord, the things that we might need to do for thee. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. God will not fail when the floodwaters prevail. Noah is one of my biblical heroes, and I'm sure he's a biblical hero to many of you, too. There are a few reasons for that. I'll just give you a couple of them quickly. Number one, he lived in a day when wickedness of man was great. If you go back into Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, you'll see those very words where it talks about the wickedness of man being great. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was evil continually. Also, he lived in a day and age where, as this verse brings out, there was evil continually. Every day he seemed to turn around, there was something else evil being propagated and promoted. And he also lived in a day when the earth was filled with violence. If you go to chapter 6 again and take a look at verse 11, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And again in verse 13, and God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So Noah lived in a day and age that was very wicked and and very evil and very violent and very corrupt, and nothing was beyond their imagination. And yet he, 
as chapter 6, verses 8 and 9 bring out, was a just man, perfect in his generation, who walked with God. Verse 8 of chapter 6 of Genesis says, But God found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. In fact, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 summarizes Noah's life this way. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. I love that expression. Things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So what a great example we have with this man, Noah, living a godly life in a godless age and obeying the Lord through it. I want to take a look at a couple more things in the way of introduction before I give you a simple outline for today. And if you take a couple of notes or just take a couple of thoughts of what I'm going to share, you can read through these chapters and see much more detail than we'll be able to give you in this brief podcast. But hopefully, as we mentioned in our introduction, it'll whet your appetite for some further study. In the way of introduction, we want to mention this. We know rain, excuse me, we know rain, and but Noah did not know rain. We know rain, but Noah did not know rain. Prior to the flood, the earth was watered by a gentle mist that would come up from the ground. You can read that in chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. And it was like going to a botanical gardens and to watch them watering with hoses in the ground. And a lot of time those hoses just give off more of a mist rather than a torrent of rain. And that's how the earth was watered prior to the flood. But at this point in time, God says he's going to send rain. And he's going to send 40 days and 40 nights of rain. Genesis chapter 7 verse 4 words it this way. It says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Also in verse 12 of chapter 7, And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Now, Noah had not seen rain. Uh, He had just seen the gentle mist watering. But God says there's going to be this tremendous downpour of rain and it's going to chapter 7 verse 18, which we read in our beginning, it's going to prevail and increase greatly and the whole earth is going to be flooded. Chapter 7 verse 18 again, and the waters prevailed were increased greatly upon the earth and the ark went upon the face of the waters. Now, as you read through chapter 7 and verse 18, talks about the waters prevailing and increased greatly. But verse 19 says the waters prevailed exceedingly. And in verse 19, it says covered the whole earth. And in verse 24, it says this, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. So again, we know rain. Noah did not. But as that as that verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, he was warned of God of things not seen as yet, and he was moved with fear and prepared the ark for the saving of his whole house. <clears throat> we don't know what's ahead, do we? But Lord, the Lord tells us how we can prepare so that even though we don't know the things that are ahead, things that have not been seen as yet, we can be prepared for them when they come. That's what Noah did. We know rain. Noah did not. 
and yet he, having not seen it, prepared according to what God said. By the way, the idea of waters prevailed means to prove more powerful or or superior and be widespread. We'll see more about that in a little bit. The next thing I'd like for us to note in the way of introduction is this. We know floods, but Noah's flood was universal. Uh, I worked after Katrina down in the Gulf for two and a half years, and there was a lot of flooding. 300 miles of the Gulf, uh, of the shoreline of the Gulf was affected by the flood, some areas more severe than others. And there have been other floods. I remember growing up, we lived in East Lake, Ohio, and the Chagrin River emptied out into Lake Erie. And oftentimes in the winter, there would be an ice jam and the land would flood because the water couldn't get out to the lake. So we know floods, but Noah knew a universal flood. Chapter 7, verse 10 brings that out. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Verse 17 says it was above the earth. Chapter 7, verse 18 says upon the earth. Chapter 7, verse 19 says, Upon the earth, high hills were covered under the whole heaven. Chapter 7, verse 20 says, The mountains were covered by 15 cubits, which means about 22 feet. And then, of course, the summary of chapter 7, And the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. So Noah faced a flood like we have never, ever faced nor will face, And in that flood, I believe he learned some things that we can apply to our life today. Because that would be the question. Well, we didn't go through this with Noah, and we haven't been asked to go through this with Noah, so why should we even study about it today? Well, we're studying this because God often uses storms and floodwaters to depict what we face in trials and troubles. God often uses storms and floodwaters to depict what we face in trials and troubles or hard times. I read Psalm 42, verse 7 earlier, but let me give you the whole verse now. Deep calleth on the deep and noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Jonah said it this way in chapter 2, verse 3, For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. So we see that God oftentimes compares the troubles and the trials and the hard times that we face to waters overflowing us and overcoming us. So when we think about Noah, he went through it firsthand. We think about it spiritually and what we can learn as we go through these spiritual floods and trials in our life. So with that in mind, I want to share three things that I think summarizes these three chapters rather well and hopefully will help prepare you and me for the coming trials that are ahead. We've been through many of them already, haven't we? And yet there are many things, as that scripture said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, that have not seen as yet. And even though we haven't seen them as yet, like Noah had never seen rain yet, God gave him preparation for when that day would come and he was able to stand in that day. So what do we see? Well, we're going to summarize it simply with three things. Number one, Noah prepared for the floodwaters long before they came. That is so important. Noah prepared for the floodwaters 
long before they came. Genesis chapter 3, or 6, for example, verse 3, uh, talks about this. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. And when you compare that with chapter 7, verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Now it looks and appears as though 120 years was the span that Noah was building the ark, preparing the ark, equipping the ark, getting everything ready. And 120 years is a long time, isn't it? And yet Noah didn't wait till it was too late to prepare the ark or he never would have been saved nor his house. When God gave him the command to do so, he immediately went forth and did it. He moved by faith and as a result, found grace. Look at chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That makes me think of that New Testament passage. Many of you have it memorized, I'm sure. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I believe Noah was a saved man and made a decision for salvation early in his life. He also followed the Lord. When you take a look at that uh, chapter 6, verse 8, you see the idea he found grace. But in chapter 6, verse 9, I think we see his surrender there, where it says, these are the generations of Noah. He was a just man, saved, perfect in his generations, mature, walking right, and Noah walked with God. So he not only accepted salvation by grace he saved through faith, but he also surrendered to God and walked with him. Too often, one waits to get serious about their relationship with God until the floodwaters come, and then it's really too late, isn't it? Imagine if Noah would have waited until chapter 7, verse 11 to start the ark. Could you imagine him building such a vessel in a day or two or a week or two or even a month or two or even a year? It would have been impossible. And imagine if Noah would have revised God's plan. If he would have said, you know what? It's too hard to pitch it within and without. I'm just going to pitch it without, not worry about within. It never would have withstood those floodwaters for as many days as it had to. What if he said, well, I'm going to modify the size. I'm going to make it much smaller because, uh, you know, it's a lot of work to make this big ark. And he changed the dimensions. Well, we've learned that the dimensions of the ark were perfect for withstanding the kind of flood that it had to withstand. What about him saying, you know what, this is just too hard. hard. Hard wood is too hard and it's too heavy. I'm going to use a softer wood. It's easier to work with. It probably would have come apart halfway through that time in the waters. So we can't modify God's plan. And Noah did not try to modify God's plan. Noah accepted God's salvation. He was a just man. And he accepted the responsibility to be perfect or be mature in his Christian walk with God. And he also surrendered to the Lord, walking with him. And therefore, he was ready when the floodwaters came. He did what God told him to do, even though he had not seen it as yet. We need to do the same. We all wonder what's coming down the road. <laughs> There's all kinds of speculation about what's coming down the road. But I would like to say this. Noah prepared for the floodwaters long before they came. 
and we need to be preparing today for the floodwaters long before they come. Why? Because God will not fail when the floodwaters prevail. God will not fail when the floodwaters prevail. So let's be prepared like Noah was prepared. Let's be sure of our salvation. Let's be sure that we're surrendered to the Lord. Let's be sure that we're walking the best that we can be walking for him. And, and that helps us prepare for what's coming down the road that we as yet have not seen. There's a second thing I'd like us to look at, and I think it's so important today. I, I know there's a real need today for parents to be able to help their children see things spiritually. It seems like there's a, a wall there. There's a blindness there, which is making it rather difficult. I know many Christian parents and Christian folks who, grandparents, who have children not walking with the Lord. And it's a heartbreak, isn't it? And we know that each child has a responsibility to make their personal decision for the Lord. But we also know that we have an example to live before them. We have a, a way of showing them how real the things of God are. And we need to take that responsibility seriously. And I see that in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. Not only was Noah prepared for the floodwaters that would be coming, though he had not seen them yet, but Noah also prepared his family for the storms and the coming flood before they came. He prepared his family. Look at chapter 7 of Genesis and verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for we for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So Noah in his generation was living for God. And he says, now bring your house onto the ark so they can be living for God too. Be that example and be that leader in bringing your family to the Lord. In chapter 7, verse 7, we see this. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now, the question mark would come up, how did Noah help prepare his family? Well, I think there's four things that we can look at, just in a way of summary. You can read through it more later and think about it more later. But I think our responsibility as parents or grandparents or adults, even if we don't have children or grandchildren, I think our responsibility is to set a right example of godly living before the next generation. And how do we do that? Well, number one, Noah lived a life of consistency. He lived a life of consistency. We already read Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 and verse 9, and you'll notice those words again, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, in a day and age, verse 11, when the earth is filled with violence, in a day and age, verse 5, when the wickedness of man was great, in a day and age, verse 5, where the thoughts of his heart was evil continually, we find a consistency in Noah walking with God. We need to have that too. The things happening around us can shake our faith and they can cause us to slip away from our walk with God. But we as adults, parents, grandparents, we need to be able to live a life of consistency. You'll notice also Noah helped prepare his family and those around him by a life of conviction. 
a life of conviction. Uh, chapter 6, verse 3, for example, and chapter 6, verses 14 through 22, what is it telling us? Well, chapter 6, verse 14 says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And then we see a description given all the way down to verse 15, all the way down to verse 21. And here's our point. Noah lived a life of conviction. It says, and Noah, excuse me, verse 22 of chapter 6 says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. All that God commanded him, so he did. He recognized this is what God said. And I have a conviction, this is what I'm going to do. And it was a big task, folks. It was not easy, but he had a conviction. And remember, I go back to it again, because it's a day we're living in today. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. He was a man of conviction. Not only that, from the same verse we just read, we can see he was a man of completion. Uh, what do I mean by completion? Well, take a look at chapter 7. We'll jump ahead here for a moment and take a look at verse 5. We already read chapter 6, verse 22, that he did according to all that God commanded him. But notice also in chapter 7, verse 5, these words, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. He did it all. He did it all. And from those verses on, we find them actually then going into the ark and, and the things, the water coming and different things of that nature. And I'm so glad that he did that. I'm so glad that he completed what God wanted him to do because that ark then held up and took them through those waves and storms and floodwaters. The next thing we note is something you're going to have to read through and, and, um, and think about, I know I've read through it a number of times and thought about this, and I thought it was very interesting. As Noah sought to prepare his family for the storms and the coming floods before they came, they hadn't seen it yet, he lived a life of consistency. He lived a life of conviction, did what God wanted him to do. He lived a life of completion. He did all that God commanded him to do. And it appears as though he lived a life of contentment. Now, I think if anyone ever had an opportunity to complain about things, it could have been Noah. 120 years working on an ark when he hadn't even seen rain. His friends and neighbors looking at him and laughing at him. What do you think you're doing? There's no record of anybody repenting of their sin and trusting the Lord during that whole time that he lived that testimony before them. And you'll notice in chapter 7, verse 16, it was the Lord that shut him in that ark. And in chapter 8, verses 16 and 18, it was the Lord that brought him out. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? And here's our fourth point. Noah lived a life of contentment. And so whatsoever state I am, Philippians 4, there and be content. And, and it appears that Noah, I don't see complaining there. I don't see questioning there. I don't see modifying God's plan there. Noah was a man who just said, this is what God wants. And this is what I am going to do. And he was quite a testimony before his family. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 14, it talks about that. The saved people being a testimony to their family. And the phrase that's used there is this. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. 
meaning they have a godly example before them so that they can follow that example, get right with the Lord themselves, and be prepared for the things that have as yet not been seen. So we see that Noah prepared, number one, himself for what was ahead, and Noah prepared his family for what was ahead, and thankfully his family followed him. And then thirdly, we see Noah prepared to worship the Lord the moment his feet hit the ground. I remember as a young boy uh, looking at the space clippings of men going up into space and coming back to ground. And one thing that stood out to me is many times those astronauts would get back on ground and they would bend down and kiss the ground. They'd be so glad to be back on earth. And um, Noah did not do that, did he? When you take a look at chapter 8, Verses 20 through 22, you read this. Here's what he did when he got off the ark. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelt a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. We are the benefits, benefactors of that offering that Noah made when he came off the ark. And he prepared for that. He prepared to worship the Lord. How do we know that? Well, he brought animals to be sacrificed. Number two, he brought wood that was dry for a fire. And when he got off the ark with his family, he did not kiss the ground, but he built the altar and offered that sacrifice unto the Lord. And then when the Lord smelt that in verse 21, then he made that promise, never would there be a universal flood again, and never would the seasons be affected. He will give seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. That offering not only benefited Noah and his family, that offering benefited us too. Now, remember, when God will not fail when the floodwaters prevail. There's a key verse here that I want you to take a look at before we close our lesson for today, and that's in chapter 8, verse 1. It's so precious. I taught this lesson to a church recently, and I got kind of excited and things, and I was sharing things, and I forgot this verse. It's really the best verse of the whole study. It's Genesis chapter 8, verse 1 that says this, after the waters now, in verse 24 of chapter 7, prevailed upon the earth 150 days, it says in chapter 8, verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. And you can continue to read all the blessed things that took place then following that. But I'm pointing that out because of this. What is the word remembered? Well, we often think of the word remembered as the idea that we forgot something and then all of a sudden we remembered it. But that's not the word used here and that's not how the word's used here. In chapter 8, verse 1, the word remember is used in this fashion. It is to pay attention to fulfill a promise given. To pay attention and fulfill a promise given. And act on behalf of somebody. I remembered. I can, when I was growing up, there'd be things that mom and dad would say they were going to do. And sometimes you would think they forgot. 
you know, we're going to go see somebody or we're going to make a trip somewhere. We're going to get some item for the house. And, and time goes by and you don't get it. And you think, have they forgotten? And then all of a sudden, there it happens. Uh, we're going next week and, and this item comes into the house and whatever. And you say, well, they didn't forget. They remembered. That's the way it is with God, folks. God remembers, not the idea that he forgot. So, oh, yeah, Noah, yeah, he's on that ark. I got to get him off of there. No, no, he was fulfilling a promise. And God is fulfilling promises for us today, too. We may think he's forgotten, but he is not going to forget. He remembers and he prepares us. Remember that passage in Hebrews about Noah. He prepares us for things not seen as yet. And we just have to move by what? We have to move by faith and we have to do what God wants us to do and see that part fulfilled and be assured that God's promise will come to pass. I think one of the best promises, and I know you know this, and I'm sure many of you could even recite it, is in John chapter 14 in our New Testament. And the Lord makes a promise here and he has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten. Now, I'll grant you there are storms. I'll grant you there are waves. I'll grant you the sea billows roar and it looks like we're getting overwhelmed. And I'll grant you that as we look ahead, we can get fearful about what might be there. But I know this, God remembers us. He gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary, payment of our sin. And when we believe upon his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and receive him as our savior, we have eternal life. And although we can't see him right at the moment, we know this, he's made a promise and he's going to remember us and he's going to fulfill that promise. There's many actually, but here's the one I want to read. John 14, one through six. I'm reading it to us in a day when the wickedness of man is great. Evil thoughts are in many continually. The earth is becoming filled with violence. The storm floods are coming and raging, and yet he remembers us. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. God will not fail when the floodwaters prevail. Don't worry about those things that Hebrews says, I'm repeating myself again, not seen as yet. God knows what they are, and he's preparing us for that. And it's our responsibility to be righteous, receiving salvation, and walk with him in a surrendered life. And he'll show us what to do. He'll show us how to do it. He'll help us to do it. And he will remember us. This has been from the Pastor Study with Pastor Martin Macedo. You may email me at macetofhm at gmail.com.
M-A-S-I-T-T-O, F-H-M, at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another Bible study next week. But remember, when the flood waters come and the waves and the billows are gone over you, God will not fail when the flood waters prevail. He remembers you. Thank you for listening and have a great day.